Welcome to The Thinking Tree, a podcast to help believers renew their minds and reform their hearts. I'm Adam Sanchez. And I'm Jeff No. And today we are discussing the theme of the inner and outer man. All right, we're back here, and this is our last episode of the season. Wow. Season two of The Thinking Tree wrapping up here. It's been great. Me and Jeff, along with... My lovely wife, Jessie. Hello, hello, hello. Joining us here to take on another very easy topic. <laughs> Why not? That's what we do. Right? We've been poking the bear <laughs> with mental illness, with modern Christian psychology, yep. and with the sufficiency of scripture for everyday life. And we're going to round out this season by discussing the realities of the inner and inner, sorry, and outer Man, now are you are you excluding women from this? You said man mm, multiple well, now times. Now you are there. opening up another episode. Oh. You're getting punchy How here. Dare you? <laughs> okay, so here's our question for today. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw the whole yeah, thing. Why off. not? Right. Why not? Yeah, getting punchy. The there, third Jeff. one. Okay, here's the question: How can Christians understand the relationship of the physical and spiritual aspects of a person? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about inner and outer man. And this obviously relates back to where we mankind, were several weeks ago. Right, right. Here. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mankind. <laughs> we were, I mean, we were here a few weeks ago, right? Talking about yes. the physical and the spiritual. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's intrinsic to the discussion of mental illness. Yep. It's intrinsic to the discussion of Christian psychology. Uh, it's intrinsic to the discussion of how is, sufficient, how is scripture sufficient yep. for every aspect of life. Right. Uh, we want to understand what are we? You know, what makes us a person? Yeah. Uh, can a person be a body without a soul? Can a person be a soul without a body? Can a person mm. be a mind and a body but no soul? Can a, I mean, there's so many different ways. And what is the heart? And where where is the heart? Where does that fit? Uh, you know, right. Which we know the physical heart, but that's right. not what scripture is talking about. There's a lot of it's questions. It's not talking yeah. about the heart that pumps blood. It's talking about the heart, the inner part of you. Right. Uh, so th this is tough. So here's what we're going to propose today. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the realities of an inner and outer man uh, but we're going to do it through a particular lens. We're going to just reveal our hand right off the bat. We're going to walk you through it. We're going to explain uh, what it means, but we're also going to give some critiques uh, of why it's hard, why it's difficult, because it's not, uh, It's at the end of the day, it's a system that we have so we can understand God's word. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of it. Uh, but it's not without its own uh, difficulties. But when it is measured up against all the other ones, there is a clear winner. Uh, in terms of how to understand God's word, even if you use a different term to, to define right, it. Right. And so what we're proposing today is a dichotomist view. Ooh, big word. Big fun. You love your big fun words, it. right? Definition. Die meaning two. Yeah. <laughs> Die meaning two. So the dichotomist view states this in, in, in regard to a human, that a human or a man or a woman. Right. A person. A person. <laughs> is made up of two parts, body, meaning the part one, and then part two, the soul or the spirit. Depending on who you talk to, they might use right. a different term. Right. Essentially, we're saying material and spiritual. That's the key. Physical. Or material yeah. and immaterial. Immaterial. Right. immaterial. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I intermits the, the two terms yep. because there are different ways to word it. Yeah. Um, but that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So with this view, it's important to, to note that these parts, these two parts are made to function in unity, not distinct from each other. Mm -hmm. So every action that we undertake will to some extent affect both yes. body and soul. 
because we are corporeal beings. We have a body. You like that one? That's another big word. Uh, corporeal. You're welcome. That's awesome. We, <laughs> so we we are real. We're not spiritual only because that's another heresy right. uh, that arrived right. uh, or that that has been um, and still is for some. Um, we are both body and soul. Mm-hmm. Therefore, everything we do affects body and soul. The immaterial and the material parts of us. Right. Uh, Matthew 28 is a great proof text. I know we don't like to just give a proof text, say here's a be, be all end all, but it is a great text to go to, to explain body and soul according to God's view. He gives a caution in, in Matthew 10, 28. Uh, he says, fear him who can destroy both body and soul. He gives that in regard to saying, don't fear people who can just kill your body. Right. Because they don't determine where your soul goes. Right. They don't determine where that immaterial part of you goes. Right. They can only deal with the material. Right. And so we see that distinction there in Matthew 10. And it's it a, does. It's in a number of places. But, it's in but a number a, of places. That's a really good one because it's from, it's from the lips of Christ and he's talking about our eternal Correct. state, our eternal. And focusing on things that yeah. are eternal, as yep. you mentioned, not yep. focusing on the temporal realities or people can destroy your body, but saying right. eternally, this is what matters. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's an important one. There are other passages. You can look at 1 Corinthians 7, 34, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. I'll let you guys read those on your own. Those are there for you. But they speak to the union and the distinctness right. of body and spirit. Uh, there are other examples we have in, in scripture that if you want to reference, we can go to, uh, but we are, we are saying man is complex. Mm-hmm. It is hard even to say two parts because the division of those parts uh, can be, can be difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and even where does the division, where do we finally draw the line mm-hmm. between the physical brain and the immaterial mind? The mind, right, right. You know, these are hard things. So thoughts on that, on the dichotomous view uh, as we look at it as Christians, objections that you've heard, what do you think? Well, I, th- I think it's, I- I'm a dichotomist as well. I know that there are some listening who are probably trichotomists because they see these different words in scripture, including right. the word spirit um, and soul. But I, every time I talk to a trichotomist, I, I, I will challenge them. I'll say, tell me, how do you, when you, if you want to talk about your soul being the seat of your emotions, for example, when you, um, when you feel something, how do you discern? Is that your soul or your spirit? And they'll go, oh. Um, yeah. Or is I it go, your mind? Right. Or is your, I usually <laughs> say, or is it just the same thing? Right? Yeah. Uh, because so I, so I, scripture uses all these different phrases, but it's, I don't believe it's designed to, to be parsed out like that. It's a holistic perspective yeah. to show that there's an inner and an outer Correct. man. And my favorite verse, second Corinthians four sixteen, makes it so clear. It says, we do not lose heart mm. though. Our outer man is decaying. Yep. That's the body. Our inner man is being renewed, is being renewed day by day. It's not, and our spirit and our soul and our mind and our heart are being yeah. renewed. It's yeah. our inner man. So the, you have these two parts. And right. I, I think that's, that's pretty clear as well. It, right. it does get confusing because the Old Testament will often talk about the heart a lot. Right. And then the New Testament will often talk about the soul and the spirit. Mm-hmm. So that does make it difficult. So that's why using a term like you just mentioned yeah. out of Second Corinthians, inner man and outer man can be very helpful. Right, right. Agreed. Are you yeah. going to say something, sweetie? Well, and I mean, I, I think that a lot of the answers are just answered when you just actually read the scripture. 
<laughs> I feel like I always come back to that. I'm like, what does God's word actually say? Because I feel like a lot of the confusion or even the where we, oh yeah, I have this really strong view, but I can't answer basic questions are when we hear somebody else teach on it. Yeah, It's not really what I believe about it. It's what so-and-so Joe Schmo on a podcast, on a sermon, on a something right. else said. A sound like, but when you actually read God's word, like it, it just, it seems very clear. Yeah. And even with very minimal study, even, you don't mm-hmm. have to be a Greek and Hebrew scholar, but you can get a simple app and look and there it's pretty, because English is different than Greek and, and Hebrew is, yeah. than it was written it in, is. right? But there's a lot of them that are synonymous. Like in the Old Testament, um, the word heart um, is often translated heart, mind, and conscience into mm-hmm. English yeah. too, those things, which denotes similarity in meaning that comes from there. Yeah. Um, and that's the word that's found um, in First Samuel when um, God is... Um, when, when Samuel is anointing Saul and God says, don't look at him for his outward appearance. Um, I've rejected him because man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. Right. And that's the same word that's used um, for Hannah too, when mm. she, before, when she's cr- crying out in her heart, in her soul, right? Yep. All of those mm-hmm. synonymous right. terms to the Lord asking for a child. Right. That it, I, I think scripture is pretty clear that it's the inner man and that includes the thoughts, the beliefs, the emotions, your attitude, your will, your volition. It's all yep. that, that inner man. Yep. You know, it's interesting to that inner man, outer man connection and, and how it works in God's economy. He's made us to be both because at the end of the day, we did not decide to be both. Right. We didn't say, oh, I want to be two or three or four or 18 things. <laughs> God said, I'm going to make you this. Yeah. Uh, and so he's given us enough to know how yeah. to pursue life and godliness. Go back, listen, previous divisions of scripture. Yeah. <laughs> so we know, we know from his word and by the power of his spirit mm-hmm. who we ought to be and how we ought to live. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so we have guidance there. So God, even though if it's not tremendously clear, the division between soul and spirit, God God knows. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't maybe know, but God right. knows. But there is a good interplay between inner and outer man that's purposeful from God. So we say this, that your inner man is really who you are and, and controls what your outer man does. Right. Not the other way around. Jesus makes it clear. So if you read through like the gospel of Matthew, you'll see very clearly in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, it's your words that come out from your heart. Right. Mm-hmm. It's right. not It's not the other way around. Right. Your words don't just happen and then, and then your heart's affected. Right. It's what comes out of you that is actually revealing you. Right. Not the other way around. So we do have to make a good distinction that even though there's a, a fascinating interplay between the outer man and the inner man, the outer man is controlled by that inner man. It's not the other way around. Here's why that matters. It means that we are without excuse to blame our outer man material self for any personal sin. Yeah. Yeah. Which we like to do because that feels more comfortable to blame it on something physical than- than Or a circumstance. Right, than the reality of what it is. But I think that we know that too. Like we, like when we really think about it, we know that it's our emotion. When we, we experience emotions in our body. And when we're having one of those experiences, we wouldn't say, I feel this, my body feels this way, therefore my inner man. We know that it is. And I even love the, and doing nerdy in the Hebrew, because I know you guys are. Greek guys, but um, the the idea of the heart even in the Hebrew scriptures is almost more accurately translated as bowels. 
Mm-hmm. I love that mm. because because it's not the beating heart you think of a Valentine's Day, but it's right, like right. but it's like your yeah. your this the unseemly area that all us ladies want to cover and and wear the spanks to cover here, right? <laughs> but it's but it's that is the place because when you have oh, when you wow. have a yeah. gut feeling. Right, yeah. and this culture talks about that when you feel something in your gut, or when you belly laugh. Right, hmm. the laugh that's really the most genuine yeah, coming from coming from deep within. Right, or if you're nervous or you're in love, we say you have butterflies in your stomach. Yeah, yeah. we know that those are all emotions that we're feeling, but where do they manifest? Yeah, in our body and in our bowel, the core of our being, even there. Yeah. So we know that. We want to blame it on Some circumstances, though, but I we know. know. Some people don't know themselves. The, the extent yeah. to which well, you don't understand why you do what you do is, true, is the guess. extent to which you don't even know what's going on within your inner man. Yeah. yeah. You're just, you're clueless. But yeah, the, the old saying is, you know, your body's never done anything that your inner man didn't give it permission to do. Correct. Right? <laughs> you know, there was a common saying in, <laughs> in, in the 80s, uh, there was a saying, it's propagated through the 90s as well, the devil made me do it. Right, yeah. right. That right. was an old old saying. And here's the thing, today with modern psychology and modern Christian psychology, because it's a form of psychology, uh, there is a different way of saying it. And, and there are many actually ways to say it. But it's essentially that, well, I have a condition. Yes. And therefore I am this way. Yeah, yeah. And so it's this, it's the same repackaged mm. uh thought. Hmm. It just is given more license. I'm not responsible. Yes. Yeah. And for some reason we find more comfort in that too. Like, and I think that that comes back to a poor understanding of scripture and even theology when it comes back to, we would rather say something is a disease than to say it's a sin. Yeah, and I get it. There are sin hunters, and sometimes yeah. sin is a is a, is ascribed to something that's not sin. But I think that that comes from having a poor homardiology. Yeah, yeah. A that's poor, another fun word. Another I was just big for you, word. Just well for done. you. Wow. A poor understanding of sin, especially yeah. as believers, right? Where we'd rather say that alcoholism is a disease rather than it's just drunkenness and that it's sin. Because if it's a disease, then it's something that's happened to me. Right. And I don't I'm bear, a victim. I don't bear full responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I'm not responsible. But yeah. that's actually very hopeless. Because if yep. it is a disease like cancer that you did nothing to and you can't, what are you going to do? There is yeah. nothing that you can do. Whereas if we actually acknowledge it as sin, didn't Christ come to save us from sin? Yeah. Give this victory over sin? Isn't there something we can actually do about it? There's actually more hope there. But I think we have a poor understanding within the church of sin where we don't, we really don't want anything to be sin. We don't believe 1 John 3 that we're overcomers. Well, and we don't mm. believe Romans 8, 1, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Right. Yes, there's still sin, but there's no condemnation. I, I don't have to be fearful of revealing a sin for fear of being condemned. Yeah. Christ has paid for that. There's a way to grow in that. There's victory. But for some reason, we view it almost like if I show anybody, especially in the church, if I let anybody see yeah. that this is a sin or I admit that it's a sin, now somehow I'm condemned, which no, that's you can actually do something about it mm-hmm. if there's sin. Um, if it is a disease, what you're hopeless. So hopeless many observations I would make here. So many, you know, people hide because they don't want to seem broken, but they want to give an excuse of being broken for not responding rightly. Mm. It, it's the toilet bowl of, of secular worldly thinking that, yeah. that infiltrates all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our spirit. I mean, I'm just going on and on. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a rub because 
when we blame our outer man, when we blame our physical for problems that we face, so now this is fully connecting back four episodes ago to mental illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we blame our problems uh, that are personal, that are personal, they're in- interior problems. They're not. They're. It's not. Hey, there, there's somebody who is who is fighting me, beating me. Uh, doing something sinful against me, but our actual personal problems of I don't feel right, I'm anxious, I'm upset, I'm angry, all these things. Mm -hmm. If we blame all of that on outer man issues when it's not always outer man, Mm. now we are not actually ever going to get to the heart of the matter. Mm. We're never going to find restoration. We're never going to find redemption. We're never going to find encouragement. We're never going to find hope. We're never going to have victory. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be the overcomer. We're not going to be encouraged. We're not going to live in light of joy in the gospel. We're going to be trapped by all of these worldly issues, and they will control and consume us. And we'll be the most discouraged, depressed, sad, hopeless people, and yet still trying to cling on to something but without power. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be like trusting, I don't even know, it'd be like trusting in your car to turn on without any gas. Mm. Yeah. Like you don't have the fuel. It's not going to operate because the fuel is not is not found in understanding what psychological system you know understands mm-hmm. trauma. Your fuel is knowing that there is redemption for you in light of everything being broken. Right. Whether you've been abused, whether you've been sinned against, whether you're the abuser or you're the sinner, there is hope in redemption, not by your merit, right. but by the merit of Christ. That's eternal hope. That's lasting hope. That's what Christ has won for us by his sacrifice. These worldly systems, they trap us to think about solutions from, well, you know, I'll just get through tomorrow. You know, yeah. oh, I'll just, I'll just take, a, take a pill, anesthetize, you know, and, uh, and cope. And, and it doesn't give us any lasting joy. Now, I don't mean to say that you, you take two verses and everything's fixed. No. But the deep understanding of God's word, mm-hmm. along with a deep understanding of your own inner man, can help you to address the problems that you face. Right. Now, you, now you're just preaching. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic is a hopeless sentence. If you just sit in right? the, yeah, if you just sit That's in the weeds as a, vic, as a victim of something on the, from the outside, you know, I'm just going to sit in yeah. the weeds and this is, uh, this is what I'm, I'm, I got to relegate my life to. This is it. Yeah, you're not an overcomer. Yeah. Yeah, it's a juxtaposition between yeah. I've been crucified with Christ and it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in right. me. Right. And there is a distinction too of uh, making sure we recognize God never forces us to sin. Yeah. Never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is, you are never- There's always a way out. And you quoted this last yeah. time, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overcome you except that which has come into man. God always provides a way of escape. Yep. So anytime there's an issue, you're never forced to sin. It can be a really difficult thing. It can thing, be hard. Yeah. But oh, yeah. you're never forced to sin. So personally, we're going back to even last episode of sufficiency, we're under God's authority. So everything we do and everything we respond to must be done to glorify and to honor him. And I say must be in an imperative encouragement, but the reality is everything is done under him. Mm. So it either is done to honor him or not to honor him. Every choice that we make is one way or the other. He never forces us to sin. So if we give an excuse of a mental illness that seems to force us to sin because we're short-tempered or we're on this medication and, and I'm just angry or you know you know that this is a trigger for me, therefore I can respond this way. Right. We give all of those excuses you know, out there. We use mental illness as a mask and as a shield to block us from dealing with our own heart issues. 
then we're never we're never actually walking through things God's way because we're saying, well, I'm forced to sin here because I must be able to do this and to live my truth here, to live my reality here rather than live under God's reality. That is really, really sad to be I, forced to sin. What does James 1 say? No one can say I am being tempted by God. Amen. He's not... That's not that's not what God does. We're and then enticed can, by our own hearts, our own absolutely. Less. And it can, it can get darker too. Then if we begin to then turn our anger towards God and say, "You've done this to me," yeah. Well, we'd ha- we'd be justified in doing that, wouldn't yeah. we? In if, our own if, minds, it, if it really was minds, right, yeah. if right. if it really was something outside of our control, and God is sovereign, then He did it to us, right? Yeah. Right. And the truth is, God is sovereign. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if we read Job, it's a very painful account mm-hmm. of God bringing mm-hmm. suffering. <clears throat> yet suffering's never without purpose. Right. And the, one of the hardest things I ever walked through with anyone in the church uh, or in counseling in general is the reality of suffering. The reality of the world is painful. And we see this, and Jesse mentioned this internationally, there are believers who are in un, unbelievable circumstances. Yeah. Um, and yet when we remove a, a secular outlook on life, we're able to look at things through the lens of scripture there is such great hope. Mm-hmm. So for that child who was trafficked in Thailand, who then heard the gospel after they were rescued, came to saving faith, who then desires to see her traffickers saved. saved. It's unreal. For the the person for in Africa, I'll give you an example, in East Africa, multiple countries, for the mother of multiple children who comes out of Islam and is redeemed unto Christ and then desires to see her husband who has many wives mm. to come to the Lord. Mm. It's unreal. It's supernatural. And That's, this is what you were talking yeah. about was that supernatural power to change is yep. not a, an ability of ours to right, change, right. but it is an evidence of God's work in our hearts and in our lives to change us. Here we have muted, and this is where the Christian needs to be discerning, we've muted the power of the gospel. Mm. We've muted the power of transformation because we just want to be comfortable. And it's easier to give that that label of mental illness or to go and see somebody outside of your church to say, well, my own church wouldn't understand, therefore I need to go to somebody outside. It seems to be more freeing, but like Jesse noted, it's not more freeing. It actually could lead to your ruin Mm. because it could draw you away from the very truth that would protect you, preserve you, and encourage you. What a danger mm. that this can be. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when we think about inner man and outer man, it's so important to discuss this from a biblical worldview because we face this every single day. We face inner man and outer man issues. We yep. face the realities of, man, I'm really tired. That is an outer man issue. Right. Your body can only function <laughs> a certain number of hours a day unless you're, you're sermon I'm, prepping on I'm Saturday night. I'm still learning that, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, those are f- physical limitations that God yeah. brings about to yeah. us. When you are pregnant, no, I have not experienced this myself, but Jesse can speak to it. He's gesturing toward me, those who can't see. <laughs> I have been pregnant before. You have more than once. Uh, but in pregnancy- This isn't an announcement then, okay. No, just, no, just no, not, no, no, just checking. no, 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 okay. no. <laughs> Surprise! I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> that, that would be so fun. Yeah, this guy, by the way, yeah, coming at you, no, 2024. stop, stop, okay. no. The reality of being pregnant though with with- Growing a human being inside of you, yeah. the exhaustion that sets in, the, the work that your body is doing in an incredible way, God's miraculous way of, of designing life. Uh, there, there's a lot of burdens that are faced. However, mm-hmm. the pregnant woman is, no, is given no more license to sin mm-hmm. than the unpregnant woman. 
But here's the cool thing. When we think about inner man and outer man issues, we should grow in compassion for each other. Right. Because there are different issues that we all face at any given time. Right. None of us are perfect, even though we're called to imitate Jesus, we're called to follow him, be perfect as he is perfect. Uh, but we know that we can't be. Mm-hmm. So we rely on the gracious help of the Holy Spirit and the instruction from God's word to go his way. But when per- somebody has a weakness, we should be compassionate. Mm. If they yeah. have an inner man weakness of discouragement or uh, an understanding of uh, just some secular psychology and, and Christian psychology and they're wrestling with those things, we can be compassionate with them in their weakness. The same way that when somebody goes and breaks their foot, we're compassionate with them and bring them a meal. We should yeah. be doing that for each other. Don't in expect all, them to run fast. In, oh, yeah, don't expect <laughs> them to run away. Uh, we should be doing that in all the spheres of life where we're caring for both right. material and immaterial. Right. We're caring for people's bodies and souls or their physical and their spiritual. Mm. That is the reality of, of having a good view, a good dichotomous view. That's how it bears uh, on everyday life when we're loving people through the joys and sorrows and one of our church covenants, mm-hmm. uh, being there with the lows and being there with the highs. We're caring for them in a whole body uh, whole body and soul dynamic. Yes. Right. We're not just right. saying right. we're only caring about your well-being physically right. or we only care about you physically, but who cares if you eat? We're saying we care about you, period. Right. Right. Both, everything that you are, we care about all the things. Right. Holistically. Yeah. Yep. yep. Amen. Now here's, here's a danger, okay. listener, that I want to point out for you and why this is an important part of the conversation because you may be saying, why is this part of the conversation? Well, Let's wrap it. Let's put a bow on it. <clears throat> the dichotomous view points out two aspects, physical and spiritual, spiritual. material, immaterial. There is another view and many other views, in fact, uh, that promote more than two. Yes. So we can't say that we're less than two. Correct. Unless we're an unbeliever. Correct. And let me point that out to be clear. Sure. An unbeliever can say we're only body. And they like to. And yeah. they love to. Material, that's physical, that's it. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Because when you die, poof, you're gone. It's nihilistic, right? Exactly, yeah. right. nihilism. Yeah. Right. So that's unbelieving. Yeah. For a believer, you have to believe in at least two. Mm-hmm. Bare minimum. Right, right. Corporeal and incorporeal. Ooh, to mm. use the words again. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Good job. So we promoted the dichotomous view to look at people biblically, to say there's that material and immaterial corporeal, and in, in corporeal. corporeal. Fun words to say. The views that there are three or more aspects, uh, so a trichotomous view or a multifaceted view, right. these are the views that are held by Christian psychologists, and they must be. Yep. Christian psychologists cannot hold to a dichotomous view. And so one way that you can discern between uh, somebody who is holding to a biblical view of man versus what I would say as an extra biblical view of man would be to find out whether they're dichotomist, trichotomist, multifaceted, uh, or if they're none of those and they're just a uh, you know, singular person and they're an unbelievable <laughs> reality. Or they've just never thought of it. Or they've never thought yeah. of it. So here's why that matters though. When it comes to a trichotomist view, now tri meaning three, mm-hmm. that's, where, that's, that's the, the root of that. Trichotomous means uh, that a per- that somebody believes in w- a humankind being body, so material, mm-hmm. soul slash spirit, the spiritual part, and then mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Three parts. Yes. Bare minimum. Now, sometimes they'll say mind and heart, so they'll want to give those distinctions, and it, it varies depending on who you talk to, but three right. minimum. Right. But here's, here's the interesting part, because they'll say, for your body, you need a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. We would affirm that. 
Yep. Right. You need heart surgery. You need a medical doctor to do the heart surgery. Mm-hmm. You don't want me operating on you because nope. uh, I don't know where things are. <laughs> so that won't help you. That's bad. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. So for the body, we need medical doctors and that's a grace that God's provided in our age, especially. For your soul and spirit, you need a pastor. You need a spiritual person. You need a spiritual guide. Right. And for your mind, dum, dum, dum. you need a psychologist. Yeah. Nah. And this is where Christian psychology has come to bear because yep. they say, well, we can do those two. Yep. Now they do separate those two. As you noted, Jeff, there's, yeah. there's a bifurcation of those things. They do not exist in unity. They exist separately. Right. So they practice the mind, but then they try to incorporate when they can spiritual things. Right. So that's where the the rub comes on dealing with mental illnesses. That's why we're talking about Christian psychology uh, because they are going to promote a body slash soul slash mind distinction, at least a trichotomist view. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, and again, I, I cannot find any trichotomist to really defend these distinctions that have to be made. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? right? Like, okay, so, my, okay, so they, they might say, well, my soul spirit is the seat of my emotions and my will, but then my mind, my intellect is, is different. So I'm like, so wait, if, honestly, your intellect can operate- Separate from your will? Separate from your will. Hmm. Um, how, explain that to me. When and they can't, right. And then the next begins. Yeah, and, and look, we want to be gentle here because there, we have valued brothers and sisters who were taught trichotomy and they've held to it because again, the words are there on the page of scripture and they're sure. trying to be faithful to that, but um, it doesn't hold up especially when you get to this part. The yeah. distinctions, they, they matter. They do. And, and I think we often overcomplicate simple things. Yeah. And we try to simplify complex things. Yeah. Isn't that our human <laughs> How human contrary plan, are right? we? Yeah. Uh, we love that. We love, we love to be in those, in those camps. So in trying to be overcomplicated over something simple, we see consistently that God talks about uh, salvation belonging to the soul mm. and salvation belonging to the spirit. Mm. And your heart existing. We see that. So do we need to make such hard distinctions between each part of those that we can't defend Mm. us personally? When we know that for God, he sees it clearly. Right. But for us, if it's not clear, then we do need to say, you know what? I just don't understand how that all works. But I know that there's this immaterial spiritual part of me. Right. And I know there's what I can touch and, and see and smell. Yeah. And those two parts of me are still me. Yeah. But I may not be able to define any more than that. Right. Right. Can we be okay with that? Yeah. And my, and my thinking is connected to my believing, mm-hmm. right? So your mind and your soul. So yeah, I, I, think, I think if we were honest with ourselves, if we weren't trying to overthink it, we would just say, yeah, I get it. This thing that I, on the outside, that's my body. It's, it's going to go back to dust. Yeah. But this thing within me, this, this single thing within me, this inner man is going to go on. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. Okay, you let's would pray. think. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's so many fights. You would think. Yeah. And then this becomes a fundamental... Uh, fight or point of argument right. for those who promote Christian psychology versus yeah. what we promote as biblical yeah. counseling. And the issue here being that we we don't want to deny the body and the reality of the body, but we don't want to make another distinction between the inner part of man. Right. And I think that's really where we're going to find most of our differences right. with Christian psychology is we're going to say, mm-hmm. you know what? We recognize the body's real. And the body has bodily, you know, responses, and there can be medical help uh, for bodily things. Yep. And some things we may not understand that are bodily that could be bodily, but we just don't understand it yet. 
but there are going to be immaterial, physical, or spiritual things that we're dealing with, mm. and they don't go beyond what God's word has said. Mm. We Amen. don't need special extra revelation to understand issues of the inner person, issues right. of the inner man. We can trust that God's word has all that we need for life and godliness in that capacity. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, we mentioned before that the the your body can't make you sin. That between the inner and outer man, the inner is stronger in terms of of where things come from. But your outer man can't affect your inner man in there too. Yeah, for sure. Right? And I think a lot of yeah. our, there's a lot of issues because we don't steward steward our outer man very well as a culture. We don't sleep well enough. We don't drink water and exercise. We drink too much coffee and too much alcohol hey, hey, hey. and too much coffee. Listen, no, no, for real. <laughs> I don't have this argument with you on the podcast. <laughs> but we don't, right, right. We don't, we don't steward our bodies well. Right. And so there, there is a good, it's yeah. good to look to that, to do that. And, and you guys, you guys, again, you guys are the experts. So tell me, isn't there also this, this cycle of sin, right? So your inner man, your inner man, you know, gives permission to the body to sin, the, we sin as a holistic person, but then that ongoing sin in the body then affects the soul, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a cycle, it's a circular thing it, yeah. it, and it spirals together, mm-hmm. right? So the physical habits that we pursue in our outer man yeah. absolutely impact yeah. us in the inner yeah. man. For sure. Um, there's a, some of you might, might know of this ministry, 20 Schemes. Uh, there's this ministry in Scotland where they're trying to, uh, the scheme is basically a slum. It's oh, a modern yeah, right, slum. Right. Uh, and so they're big apartment style buildings. In those slums, in those schemes, there will be everything from prostitutes, drug, uh, you know, abuse and sellers and everything in between. Uh, but with that, they're trying to plant churches in those schemes. Mm-hmm. The The struggle is you have people that are being rescued from ways of life that are unfathomable to mm. us. Uh, very, very difficult. When they're saved, they're not leaving the scheme. The church is in the scheme. Hmm. So what do they do now when when that woman is, is walking by her former pimp? What do you do when you wow. have a person who was in, enslaved to drugs who's now been redeemed and hasn't touched him, but he's walking by his former drug dealer every day coming home from work? Wow. Those habits, yep. yeah. those those still yeah. need to be dealt with. And yeah. so we want to help people with those because they have a huge impact on us. Sure. You could imagine every time you see a temptation towards that former habit that you pursued would absolutely have an impact oh, yeah. on your inner man, oh, on yeah. your inner person. So we do need to care for people holistically, whole-parted people. Yeah, both, right? both and. Both the body and sore or uh, material and immaterial and we should care for each other that way i would say as much as and i affirm just what you're saying that we don't care for for our own selves but it it extends beyond ourselves to to care for others and we're often very judgmental of other people of of other people that we say we love when we we see their weakness and we know it's a weakness but we demand excellence from them we demand perfection from them Mm -hmm. so rather than being compassionate in their weakness and saying wow in that material, you know, response, that is a weakness for them. You know, maybe it is the the coffee. Maybe and I'm teasing that one. But <laughs> Careful maybe, now. <laughs> maybe Careful. on the inner man though, it's those weaknesses toward gossip, right? Or the weakness toward being uh, anxious about things. We should care about each other in those weaknesses, whether it's an outer man or inner man issue, mm. and love each other enough to recognize when it is one right. and then care for each other in that. I would say that's a great 
weakness of the American and international church, I'm going to lump them all together, yeah. is caring for people, body and soul, right. yeah. physical yeah. and right. spiritual. Well, being aware, being aware of your own needs and weaknesses physically and spiritually. We chafe against those. Yeah. And then being aware of the spiritual and physical weaknesses of those around us as well yeah. in our homes and then in our churches. Yeah. Like we're just not paying attention, yeah. which is uncaring and unloving. We should, we should be paying attention to those things. And then how can we walk forward um, in love and being honest and not, not the cultural, I don't know, because we have college students and when you're mm. young and in love and oh, there's <laughs> a lot of mistakes that are made when we're just not honest about what we're tempted by. Yeah. Because it looks weird if we just say we're not going to watch that movie or we're not going to drive alone or whatever it is that we're not really honest that that's a weakness and mm. we, we don't want we don't care about fighting sin enough or stewarding our weaknesses well. Um so we just do it anyway and then we find ourselves into sin. Or if we know that there's someone who has a weakness in that way, we're not we're not zealous to protect them mm. because of all kinds of cultural yeah. pressures in that way or or just selfishness, you yeah. know? Yeah, we can talk about being pregnant and all the hormones and all of that kind of stuff and it's not an excuse to sin. So to recognize, okay, this is a weakness. I need to say no to more things right now because I'm stewarding and caring. And right. then, and then right. also the husband... Uh -oh. Also, oh. right? Where's this going? Right? Where's this going? I gotta say, amen. Yeah. To recognize, to yeah. recognize yeah. that that's a that is a that is a physical weakness, a yeah. physical your wife is Christ burden, right? And even women who are not pregnant, there are physical weaknesses and burdens mm -hmm. that happen monthly, gentlemen, that you should be aware of and knowing and loving your wife in the midst of. Jeff's eyes are wide. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> Come on now. I know it's true. Amen. It's Listen, not an excuse amen. to sin. It's no, right, not. So right, the women, correct. you need to recognize, say no, say no to some things. Take a nap. Do care for physically mm -hmm. steward your body right. as it is. And then if you're living with someone who is, has a weakness, then recognize that too and look for ways to love and bless and bear with the weakness. We don't want to talk. Okay, you're right. awkward because no. we don't want to talk right. about it, no, but right, we're right. in trouble because we don't want to talk about right. it. Listen, I, I mean, I think when, when any of us sits down with a brother or sister to do discipleship or counseling, when I ask the question, how are you doing? <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean both inner yeah. man and outer man. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I might want to hear, okay, well, what'd you do this week? But then, Practical, right? Yeah. Right. But then ultimately I'm going to drill down and say, okay, so what's happening? How are you really doing? How are you doing in the soul? <laughs> right. How, hey, how's how your heart? Your yeah. How's your heart? Yeah. What's going on? Did, yeah. did the things that you struggled with on the outside this week, was that something going on in the heart? Right. I mean, it, it's not that complicated. You just got to drill down and you got to help people understand that inner man and say, oh, gosh, that's right. I have an inner man. It's not just my body. I'm just not this thing that's yeah. <laughs> out yeah. here doing its own. No, I've got an inner man. I'm not caring for it. I'm right. not stewarding it. I don't know what's going on. I should think about that. Yes, you should. Amen. <laughs> yeah. But that's our job as shepherds and, and counselors is yeah. to walk them through both the holistic approach to both inner and outer. And yeah. I think that's a great encouragement for the one another's in the body because as hard as it can be, because it can be very messy yeah. when we're dealing with inner man stuff. Yeah. But outer man stuff can be messy too if people have a lot of needs. Sure. Uh, that can be difficult. It can be messy. However, God's word is simple. It is not, we don't need 
the degree to understand God's word. It can help us dive deeper and understand it more. But the average believer who has the indwelling spirit is able to obey God at his word so we can care for each other. So then it's a great encouragement for the one another's where we just, we should be caring about both aspects for each Mm -hmm. other. We should be caring about both the physical and the spiritual. Internationally with CHF, this this is the rub. At the, at the end of the day, this is the number one thing that our organization exists to address, both the physical and spiritual right, needs of people. Right, right, makes sense. And it yeah. is hard and it is messy. Yeah. Uh, I describe it often like it's bringing a, a grenade into a home, lighting it off, and, and then picking out the pieces when you're done. Most people probably don't even realize that. They think you're just filling a belly. Absolutely not. Right, yeah. Right. In fact, the number one goal of Children's Hunger Fund is that the gospel will go forward. Yeah. That's evangelism That's awesome. and discipleship. And the food is just recognizing their material corporeal people. There you right. go. And they need right. they need food to live. Right. And if you see a need and there's a deficiency there, you have a door opened yep. by being able to meet that need. Yep. Yep. Now yep. you can talk about eternal things. Now yep. you can talk about things that matter unto eternity. Right. What a grace, but it is hard and messy. And I get more pastors asking, good grief, how do we deal with these soul things? Yeah. How do we deal with this immaterial stuff when the, the issue isn't just feeding their belly? We can do that. We can, you know, we can deliver the food. We can even get them a self-sustainability project. But how do we deal with the heart? Yeah. How do we deal with the soul? And that comes back to basic Christianity 101. And I'm not saying it's uh, so simple that they should understand it. I mean, it's basic for all of us. Like right. Jess said, read the word. Go back to God's word. What has God's word said? And we obey what he said. We don't go our way. We go his way. And we need to teach the whole counsel of God. And mm. that is really hard. Mm. No matter whether you're, uh, you know, here in the U.S. and you've been given a seminary education or if you're a pastor in the bush in Africa and you've never gone to seminary, but you're still called to lead and shepherd. And if the whole counsel that you know is one book, mm. that's the whole counsel. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the book that you give. And you give it over and over because the word doesn't return void. Mm. You give God's word. And then if you can study more, great. Uh, and this is where we trust God with everything in between. We may not be able to meet all the needs that people have, physical and, 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 and spiritual, right. but we need to be faithful. Right. So when we're aware, we meet those. If we see them, meet the need. If you don't see it, you can't meet what you don't see. But if you're not asking the question, right. if you're not caring about others, you're not going to be able to, to do any of that. Yeah. You'll just be navel-gazing. Word. And, and I'm going to bring that all the way back to mental illness and say one of the biggest issues is that we like to self-diagnose and navel gaze. And God has called us to more than that. Mm. He's called us to more than just understanding the, the ailments that we have this side of glory, which may be real, but he's called us to more than just recognizing those. He's called us to worship him, to obey him, to honor him in all that we do, all that we say. First Corinthians 10 31 is really clear. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, Philippians 12, uh, 2, 12 to 13 reminds us to do all things to please God, mm-hmm. to will and to work for his good pleasure. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed, body and soul, material and immaterial, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Amen. Well, that has been a fantastic season on the Thinking Tree. Grateful for you guys being here. Listeners, 
we're wrapping up. Season two is is, great. is all over. Uh, next season, we will be back uh, potentially in late January uh, with some new content to to help you renew your minds and reform your hearts. You guys want to sign out with me? Uh, well, what, what's, the, say, what's the script? What are we saying? See y'all later. Oh, <laughs> hey, we'll see you in the new year. Bye.